0: So this new series that we will be on for the next four to six weeks, four to six weeks is titled Christ Centered Career. Uh, and if that sounds familiar, it is a series title that, um, that I preached about two years ago. Uh, I want to say it was early 2020. Uh, in fact, I think it was March 2020. So our last month of any kind of normalcy, but since then, it has been a refrain in our household that Carla and I have often talked about. What does it look like for one to be Christ-centered in one's career? And just during this time, during these two years, we've continued to develop out what this idea is, and so we just were very excited about presenting a new series that will be both a sermon series as well as a community group uh, to dive into a book called Kingdom Calling, to push this idea further. So uh, I'm gonna be doing the preaching part and then Carla's gonna pair with me in community groups for the teaching part. And I think it's gonna push us in some very positive ways to think about in what ways we can be Christ-centered in our careers and through our careers. And so uh, I wanna look at today Matthew chapter 25, um, uh, verses 34 through 40 from the New International Version. Um, We're on a tight crew today and uh, just made it through the thunderstorm crew today, so we will not have slides for those of you that are streaming or those of you that are in person. Uh, So you might have to blow some dust off your Bibles uh, or look it up on your phone, your pewter, whatever you're using. Um, And uh, yeah, meet me in Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 40. 40. For a few moments, I want to talk from the subject, Church from Work. Church from Work. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for giving uh, us this chance to hear your word, and I thank you for giving me the chance to preach your word. pray that you will use it to help us be better than we were when we came, help us to apply it to our lives, open up our ears to hear and our eyes to see, and our spirits to discern what you are saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Since 2020, the work from home phenomenon has proven in many ways that one can achieve the productivity of work from virtually anywhere, especially from home. Uh, Millions of workers who were previously thought to only be effective if they did their work from the organization's office are now enjoying the perk of doing that same work, but doing it from home. Uh, No more need to commute for an hour, in some cases two hours each day. No need to pack lunches or go out to lunch from the office every day. No need to spend the money on transit cards and gas and parking or Uber fare going to and from the office. No need to have to do that anymore. Now it has been discovered that for many people, A more effective and efficient way to get work done is not by going to the office, but by working from a different place, from home. I submit to you today that similarly, church and its mission, something that people traditionally reserve as something done within the four walls of the church building, can perhaps best be achieved not at the church but instead through the institutions that, where we spend 40, 50, sometimes 60 hours each week of our lives working. Perhaps the best place to advance the mission and the ethics of your faith, the vehicle through which one might best advance the principles of the kingdom of God, the principles such as love and peace and justice, perhaps the best place to do that through and with the organizations where one works. This is the premise behind what Carla and I mean when we use that phrase, Christ-centered career. It is a career focused on implementing the ethics and the agenda of the kingdom or kingdom of God within one's own vocation. In many cases, the multi-million, or in some of cases, some of the cases, multi-billion-dollar organizations that you work for have much more power to affect the lasting social change that our world needs, much more power than our churches or our governments. And so we should begin to ask the question. How can I conspire in and with and through the place that I work to advance the principles of peace and love and justice and equity? Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is sharing what would be some of his final encounters with his disciples. He goes into parables regarding the kingdom of God and he talks about the final judgment. In verse 31, he lays out what that final judgment will look like. He says people will be separated as shepherds separate sheep from goats. There is an interesting criteria that he uses or marker that he says will effectively identify those who will inherit the kingdom. He does not call out religious dress or jargon. He does not call out church affiliation. He does not call any of these things out as markers of those who will inherit the kingdom. Instead, he says that it is through the acts of charity and social responsibility that people can be identified in the judgment as inheritors of the kingdom. And he even goes so far as to say that by doing acts of charity for those who occupy what is typically considered the least important rung of society, that by doing those things, we have done those acts for him. It is through this statement that Jesus effectively says, identifies himself rather, with the poor, with the imprisoned, with the hungry, with the sick, and with the immigrant. He says in verse 40, truly, I tell you, whatever you have done for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did also for me. And so this morning, I want to argue that for the sake of this sermon, that we should engage with work that relieves the marginalized. Because this is the work that is important to Jesus. And that the best tool that many of us have is available to us to engage in this kind of work is our nine-to-five. Churching from work gives us an opportunity to engage in compassion and charity, first of all. There is this theme that I see running through this text, where Jesus is essentially saying, have compassion on the marginalized. And, and don't just stop at sentimentality. As Dr. King said, love without power is uh, sentimental, but it's also anemic. Don't just stop at merely the compassion. There's got to be some action to accompany it. Yet yeah, love must result in some kind of action. And so I want to push you and get you to thinking this morning, when it comes to your work or the organization that you work for, how can you engage in compassion compassion? that leads to action? What are the programs and policies and efforts that are already underway, that are in the organizations where you work, that you can join in with or help shape, that are already compassionate and and result in some kind of action that can support the marginalized in society? You see, sometimes we may find ourselves within an organization that has the resources and may even have the mind and the will to do the good work, what they could benefit from, is people like you that have the right values and the right ethics and the cultural competence that can help guide those efforts in the most effective and the most meaningful ways. This is being Christ-centered in one career, one's career. Let me say to you that these are the perfect. Spaces for you as a Christ-centered person to come in and to marry your values of love and compassion and your values of care for the marginalized, to marry that with the resources and the reach of your company. This is what it means to be Christ-centered in your career. The second thing that I see here in the text is this theme of visibility. In verses 37, verse 38, and 39, that there is this constant refrain. It's constantly coming from the righteous where they are asking the question, when did we see you? It comes up again in verse 44 when the wicked ask the same question. Lord, when did we, watch the word, see you? The ideal that is present here is this notion of visibility. The ideal that is present here is this notion of visibility. To take it a step further, the theme here is that seeing marginalized people is seeing Jesus. The question I have for you is how can your day-to-day work make folks visible, the invisible in society, the, those people that are often forgotten about, the people whose plight is marginalized, the the, the people whose pain is deemed unimportant, whose suffering is normalized. It's on the news, but it ain't new. How can your work make visible those people whose neighborhoods are seen as collateral damage, whose face is invisible, whose bodies are disposable? whose labor is deemed worthy of exploitation, whose air quality doesn't seem to matter, whose health outcomes are unimportant. How can your day-to-day work make these people visible? For some of you, you make hiring decisions at work. Is there work in your company somewhere, anywhere in your company for the invisible, for the unconnected? For, for, for the people who don't have the networks that it takes to get into an organization like yours, is there space for you to use your power as a Christ-centered person to make the invisible visible? For, for the people typically looked past or looked over, yeah, being Christ-centered in your work would cause you to look again until those overlooked candidates become visible. Some of you make decisions in your jobs about where new stores or new offices will be located. How can your work make overlooked communities become visible? Some of you do academic research or medical research or market research. How can your work make the overlooked visible and the ignored voices heard? Some of you work in various forms of media and you recognize the strong power that images have in telling stories and shaping narratives about people. The question that I raised to you this morning is how can your work make the overlooked visible? Some of you work in finance. You understand the power that access to capital and investment have on the outcomes of people's lives and the success of their business, the developments that go up in their neighborhoods, the quality of living, the ability to qu- acquire a home to even share in the so-called American dream. You know the role that capital plays. How can your work in finance help make the overlooked visible? The refrain is, Lord, when did we see you? Jesus says, you saw me when those who are typically invisible were made visible to you and you mixed your compassion with some action and you did something about it. He says, when you did that, you did it for me. My friends, this is ministry this is christian work in ways that can be far more reaching to make lasting impact way beyond what we can do within the four walls of this building or within the confines of our budget this is the lasting work that i believe that god is calling us to let me push you on unless i keep you too long the last uh, theme that i see in this text is this theme of comforting it's happening with the sick It's happening with the imprisoned. It's happening arguably with the stranger, as the text calls it, or literally the immigrant. I want you to think about a time when you were uncomfortable. Like the theme here is comforting. I want you to think about a time when you were uncomfortable. And how did it make you feel to have something or someone or something happen? to make you then feel comfortable. I strained my hamstring a a few months back and it it hadn't hadn't healed for several months, because I'm old. And and so I finally went to the doctor and and the doctor gave me a prescription, uh, a referral to therapy, some orthotics for my shoes to fix the way that I walk gave me all these things to help make me more comfortable. It's because I had access to insurance that I was able to become comfortable. Yeah, comfortable. When I worked in education, I was bent on making sure that, that black and brown families on the southwest side of Chicago and especially their children felt safe and comfortable in the school in their neighborhood that felt like they weren't under surveillance or being criminalized in their own schools, but instead felt like clients and members of the community being served and that us, the staff, were there to make them comfortable. Question that I raised this morning is how can your work comfort somebody? Whether it is the sick, or anybody else that is experiencing discomfort in society? How can your work be work of comfort? Let me close this sermon about church from work. Um, just kind of with this little testimony and then I'll have my seat. So, so, for about five years I was bivocational. I was pastoring here full time and I was full time as an educator. Catalyst Maria Charter School in Chicago. And during this time, I have to admit that I had this very, very deep um, sense of guilt that I always carried. And that guilt was that I felt like when I was at the school that that I I wasn't giving the church enough of my time. And, And then when I would be deeply enthralled in church work sometimes, like, find myself kind of working on my sermon in my office at school, I I would feel guilty because I'm not doing enough schoolwork. And finally, I don't remember what year within that five-year span it hit me that it was all one work. See, see, I, I was I was bifurcating, I, I was separating these two from one another, this work at the church from this work at the school, and in reality, it was actually one work. I was churching from work. When I was creating a strong educational environment for black and brown kids, I, I wasn't at the church, but I was churching from work because I was doing this. Because of my deep convictions and beliefs about Jesus Christ and what we are called to do in our world as Christians. I was churching from work. When I created the school store at the school, we, we had been uh, using a company in, um, in Bridgeview uh, for the school uniforms and, and all the families. We had over a, uh, a thousand families in our school. 1,000 families would go to Bridgeview and they would spend all this money buying these mandated school uniforms with the school logo on it. And they were making, the families were spending big money and we were getting nothing in return. And so I proposed, why don't we make our own store in the school? It'll be more convenient for the parents. We can beat the price of what they're getting in Bridgeview and we can keep the money in the community. And in turn, we can give the kids in the school jobs using the money that their parents and peers are using to buy uniforms. And so uh, the school bought into it, the principal bought into it, the CEO of the network bought into it, and we did it, and our kids made uh, a $40,000 profit the first year, And, and some of the kids, this was their first jobs, and some of the kids, this was their first time managing something, and they got a chance to learn business and how there is gold in the ghetto, as we would talk about it. But it took a lot of effort, a lot of time. But but by doing that, I was churching from work, being a black male in a classroom, just showing up every day before I opened my mouth to say a word, being present, being there, being in that space, being a model for young black boys and young brown boys. No, I wasn't at the church that day. At 8.30 in the morning on a Monday, I was not in the church, in the office, but I was at school, at work, but I was churching from work. And so I raise the question to you today. As you get ready to go back to your Monday morning, whatever your thing is, how can you church from work? How can you take the ethics, the principles, the values that you have gleaned from your faith? Principles like peace, love, justice, equity. Ideals that come from this passage, like compassion and charity, visibility. How can we take those things comforting and apply them in our work? That... That's what it means to have a Christ-centered career. And you know what? I found that when my work was like that, all the other drama and chaos that comes along with organizations and all of that, it tended to be secondary. So it was on my mind day to day it was that Christ-centered work that I got to do every time, that I, every time I walked in that building. Some of us are in that place where we're frustrated with our work, feeling like our work isn't perhaps giving us what we need. Maybe it's just tweaking our lens on it. Maybe I'm, I'm, not, just, I'm not here just so that I could just climb the ladder, and I'm, I'm not here to, just for the bag, even though that's important. If they're not paying you right, we need to get that right. Maybe it's more than that. How can I conspire in and with this organization? It's got all this money and all this access and all this reach to affect social change. And for some, it even starts in the environment, in the organization. How can I help make this a more hospitable place for people, a more joyful place? for people to come to work every day. That's churching from work. I had many a pastoral counseling session in my office at school when I was an administrator of people that were on the edge. And, And the edge could mean anything. On the edge of quitting, on the edge of punching somebody in the face, all kinds of edges you get to at work. And people knew they could come down and let's talk about it. And I will church from work with you. I will become a pastor for 15 minutes and we can talk this out. For some of us, that's a role that we can play in our organizations. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for giving us this time to reimagine our work. That our work can be a place where we apply the principles of the kingdom of God. I pray that you will stretch our imagination to think In creative ways about what we can do in with and through the organizations where we work or where we may want to work maybe this will inspire some of us God and I pray that you will inspire some of us for a change in career into spaces where we can if we're not in a space right now where we can center you and our work and affect social change through those organizations. Give us the stamina. Give us the courage. Give us the boldness, the creativity, the imagination, the endurance to do it. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth, on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Help us be about doing the work of your will here on earth just like it is in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you praise God for his work?